Well, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And he's doing it through a model prayer that often we have called the Lord's Prayer, and often we have prayed its wonderful words just as they are. But it's so much more than that. And last week we saw that the first part of that prayer teaches us to be in the right position before the Lord. That as we come to Him as our Father in a personal relationship that we have through Jesus Christ, still we must revere Him. His name is holy. He is, he is a totally other nature than we do. And so therefore, we, got, we, have to, we have to recognize the radical need that we have and, and invite His kingdom into our life. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So every prayer ought to begin recognizing this Father who is radically different than we are and who has the radical answers we do. Or we need. And so when you, when you first approach Him with whatever manner of reverence that you have, then you are ready to make your needs known particularly. And that's the second part of the prayer. The second part of the prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, Jesus says there are two basic needs that we have, physical and spiritual. The bread, of course, is symbolic of all of our physical needs. The forgiveness is the most basic of all of our spiritual needs. But I want to take you to the, those, just those couple of lines, and I want to examine those couple of lines with such... Uh, a, 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 a microcosmic look that we really get the most out of those lines because they are marvelous. First of all, I want you to see the verb tenses. I want, to, I want you to see the different timings that God has for us. Let's just take, uh, give us this day our daily bread. In Matthew, it really mentions the bread first. In the Greek, uh, it says, uh, our bread uh, give us for this day. Give us this day. And what, what the, the give is in the Greek form is the aorist tense. That means it's, it's been given like once and for all. It's a very simple thing. But the day reminds us of the persistent need that we have. So even though something's been given once for all, and even though God, who is the provider, has already provided for all of your needs... And he doesn't, he doesn't wait. To say, he knows what you need before you even say it. It says that right in Scripture. Still, there is a place for us recognizing our current need and voicing that current need currently. As our skit would say, there is not enough organization and planning in any relationship to make it more important than the present interaction. That is what is going on right now. Therefore, Christ in this middle section has both forms, both verb tenses, both aorist and present. God has answered once for all, but our asking is as we go along. God's timing is very important. Now, you know that life is a matter of timing, don't you? 
you know that there are some things that are set and there's, there are some things that react according to the environment. As a matter of fact, a few years ago I read that the scientists discovered within our hypothalamus something that is called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Now the suprachiasmatic nucleus is no bigger than the head of a pin, but it is thought to set our biological clock, literally our biological clock. And so there are things set in us that will be true no matter what. There are, there are times for our cells to die. There are times uh, for things to change. And, and no matter what we do, those things are going to basically be set. But there, is other, there are other things, uh, such as our body temperatures or our, our, uh, um, uh, sometimes our, our emotions that will react to the outside. Now, they didn't uh, discover in this personal differences. They didn't, for example, discover uh, the differences between men and women, although we do know that when it comes to time, men have a different sense of time than women, don't we? I mean, I, I, I know this is politically incorrect, but um, let me just do it just because it's kind of fun. Women, women think in terms of calendar, many times in terms of calendar. My wife will turn to me while we're riding along in the car. This happens fairly often. And she'll say, ooh, I just thought of something. And I'll say, what? And she'll say, do you know the age difference between Josh and Lisa? Josh is our oldest one, and Lisa is his wife. Between Josh and Lisa, do you know that my second cousin, Fred, if you would have taken two months on the, on the, on the 11th, which is Josh's birthday, as you know, two months off his birthday, and he would have waited five months to marry Myrtle, and they would have had in that mix seven months taken from her exact birthday, she would have been exactly as old as Lisa. <laughs> and I look at her and I say, have you got an aspirin in your purse? <laughs> it gives me a headache to think like that. She always does that to me. She says, have you not thought about these things before? <laughs> Men don't think about that. Men do this. A guy's dating a girl, a guy dates a girl, he says, I'll give you a call in a couple of days. <laughs> Two weeks later, <laughs> he calls her up. He can't understand why she's disturbed. She starts the conversation out like this. Ah, I know what you're doing, buddy. I know what you're doing. You're doing a power play thing here. You're trying to tell me you don't think you need me. You're trying to communicate. You're going to stay in control of this relationship. Well, I'll tell you something. No. To him, that was a couple of days. <laughs> I mean, think, he got distracted. He's reading a sports section. Guys do things in categories. And so to him, it's been a couple of days. You've got to understand, men think like this. You know, I, I ought to get around to this. I, I probably ought to do this by now. That's how men don't operate on, on schedules or calendars. Now, as much difference as there is between the way a man and a woman thinks in terms of time, can you imagine what a difference there is the way we and God think in terms of time? As a matter of fact, God uses the calendar, watch this, 
not just to answer our needs physically, but to answer our needs emotionally. Because when it comes to giving to us, God is not mainly concerned with provision. He's mainly concerned with relationship. So God will always use time in terms of relationship. When we talk about give us this day our daily bread, and, and Luke has it a little bit, even, even, even a little bit differently. His, his is also uh, present indicative, but it's, it's um, um, Matthew is, is, talks, is more in the mood of God's readiness, and Luke is in the, in the mood of God's steadiness. But when the Bible is talking about the regular giving that God has for His children, it is very clear that He is talking about us staying close to Him. And what is the best way we can stay close to God? Knowing our nature, it's always to recognize our need. It's to run out of something and ask. Therefore, we should not be surprised that we don't have all that God has for us all at once. Now, this, is a, this might be kind of a tough concept for Americans because of the way Americans do business the way Americans get goods. Only in this part of the world and a few other capitalist societies are the prices on goods fixed. Except for cars in America, you go into a store, you see the price, you, see, you determine whether or not you have the money. If you have the money, you buy the stuff, you get the goods, you walk out. It's about exchange of merchandise. You don't build a relationship with a store owner. You just say, oh, got this, paid for it, I'm, I'm going to. In every other part of the world, business is in terms of building relationships. We were in, a, a month ago, we were in uh, Istanbul, Becky and I, and, and we were walking through that great um, um, center of uh, shops in, in uh, Istanbul. I forget what it's called. Uh, but, but the guide said to us, now, you got to realize that, that the prices that they quote aren't the prices that they expect you to pay. Uh, that's just where you start the conversation. And then, and then watch what happens. So we're going down here, and we're, we're going into stores. Now, I'm not a good bargainer. I don't even like to bargain for cars. I'll go someplace and say, what do you think is fair? And I just give it to them. Whatever. I don't, I'm not a bargainer. I'm, I'm much too intimidated to do that. Becky goes in, and she's looking at this, she's looking at this uh, uh, chess set. And, of course, the store owner... You know, this lady comes up, she says, oh, that's a great chess set. And, and Becky says, well, how much is it? $20. Becky says, oh, we can't pay $20 for this. <laughs> oh, no. See, this is just, we're, try, we're shopping for our nephews. We got a lot of nephews and nieces and this. Is, oh, no, we're on a very strict budget. Well, the, the store says, well, what could you pay for it? And Becky says, well, maybe $5. And the store goes, ha, ha, ha. Say, you Americans, you are so rich and so cheap. <laughs> Becky says, you don't understand. This is, for, this, is just for, this is just a kid's thing. We're just looking for a kid's thing. He says, oh, I have kids. Becky says, how many kids you got? Oh, I got five kids. 
Well, what are their names? What grade is school? And so they're going in this. And, 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 and in the meanwhile, Storer says, well, maybe 15. Maybe we can go 15. Beck says, oh, I, I, 15. We can't spend 15 for all of our nephews and nieces. You know, we have probably. And cut to this quick. 25 minutes later, we walk out of that store with nothing. I'm so frustrated, my eyes are crossed. To a guy, we just wasted 25 minutes. I got stuff to do, you know. <laughs> Becky has a new best friend. I mean, she wants to write this woman. She wants to help the woman put her kids through college. I mean, it's unbelievable. Why does God have us come to him? Certainly not because he wants to get the most out of us. Certainly not because he doesn't have the provision that we need. He wants the conversation. He wants the relationship. Talk to me, he says. So therefore, those of us who are privileged, watch this, to be dependent daily. I know some of you are very disappointed because you thought by this time in your life you would be financially independent. I know some of you are like I am. I'm pushing 50 years old. And I thought, you know, by 50 years old, you probably ought to have some sense financially. But I'm, I'm in the position I was when I was 20 years old. You know what? I don't care. I get to talk with my father every day. And every day, my father says, glad to see you, son. What do you need today? And every day, he provides it. There are some of you, emotionally, this is almost a physical need, who say, I don't know if I've got enough to get through another day. You know, by now, I ought to have my skit together. I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. My relationships ought to be stable. I ought to have lots of friends. I ought to have all I need. And every day you start out lonely and you say, I don't know if I can get through it. I've got to ask God. And God says, glad to see you, honey. Been waiting for you to come. There is a privilege that comes with a poverty. Now, some of you have been graced, some emotionally, some financially. You have other responsibilities, weightier than mine. I'll talk to you later. But that, that's, also, that's also, there's always a need in your life that you'll need to ask the Father for. Spiritual needs are coming up. But for those of you who are just walking a step at a time, let me encourage you. I heard a story one time about a little boy who was walking along a very dark path, holding the hand of his father. The night was cold, and they were taking this path through the woods to a farmhouse way down the road. And the little boy was about five years old, and he'd remembered at that time, when it's darkest out, all of the stories he'd heard about wolves. And the Wind was blowing to such an extent that night that he thought he could hear the howl of wolves. And he was walking along holding his daddy's hand. And he says, Daddy, I'm so scared. And his daddy said, Honey, why? He says, Because we can't 
see anything. It's so dark out there. And the lantern that you have, the light only goes out for a little bit. And his dad said something to him that was important for him to hear and is important for you to hear. He said, honey, I know we only have a little light, but if you keep walking, you'll see that that light reaches all the way to the end of the road. The Bible says that thy word is a lamp unto our feet. It doesn't say you got a pair of headlights that's going to show you everything today. It says it's a lamp unto our feet. We've got just enough to take the next step. But the good news is this. The Father would say this. You take the next step and you'll see that you have enough light to make it all the way to the end of the road. You just keep walking. So pray to your Father often. Pray, by the way, for the UPS folks. I, I don't know what I'd do if I were out of work. I, I mean, we'd, we'd, a lot of us would be in trouble. Pray for them. Pray for their provision. But pray also that this be a time when they learn about God's provision, when they can turn to the Father, and the Father can give them daily what they need, and they can enjoy the prayer even more than the provision. Now... Jesus also teaches us this. It's not only the physical provision that, I, that, that the Father has for us. It's the spiritual provision. Forgiveness is the most basic spiritual provision that we need. As a matter of fact, forgiveness has everything to do with our salvation. And when it comes to terms of our salvation... I like the word debt instead of trespasses. I know that many of us grew up saying the word trespasses. But I believe that, especially in Matthew, the word debt is the most accurate translation. And I believe that for emotional as well as theological reasons. Um, Eleanor Tracy's dad was a banker, and when she was growing up, she grew up Presbyterian, and of course they always said debt. I grew up Methodist, we always said trespasses. And, uh, but she knew, that she knew the different, uh, uh, the word trespasses. She went to her dad one time and she said, Daddy, why do we say the word debt instead of the word trespasses. And he thought for a minute, he said, well, honey, I'm a banker, so I'm going to have to answer from a banker's standpoint. But I can tell you that from a banker's standpoint, it's a whole lot easier to forgive a trespass than it is to forgive a debt. <laughs> when we talk about our relationship with the Father, we're not just talking about getting in the wrong territory at the wrong time. We're talking about owing God. We owe God. When we pray for the forgiveness of all of our sins, it's because we didn't start out neutral. We started out owing God. We owe God everything. And therefore, the debt that Jesus Christ paid on the cross as our substitution is debt that we need paid that we can't pay. There is an attitude in this. There's an attitude in this that's very important, that's even broader than the particular sins that we have. And the attitude is, there is a spectrum of maturity that you can measure by how much people believe that they owe or how much people believe is owed them. The very immature think, the world owes me this. Your kids, when you give them stuff, when they're little, they're not naturally grateful. 
Of course you're going to give it to them. You owe it to them. They are alive. But as people mature, they come into this understanding. You know what? I'm the one that owes. I'm the one that owes. I have a tremendous privilege here. I have been given so much, I can never pay all this back. That's maturity. When I go away in the middle of the week in August, I'm, I'm going away just to kind of look at our future. And I live 20 years from now. And I tell you what, we're going to have a remarkable life 20 years from now. But, I, but I'm an I'm a ocean person. I'm, there are mountain people and ocean people, and I'm an ocean person. And, and some folks here have little places on the ocean, and they, they loan them to me. And I go in those, those places, and I'm almost afraid to be there. Because, because I don't, that's not an easy, it's not an easy thing for me to borrow things. And so, so I go in there and I know I'm not trespassing because they said it's okay for me to be there. But I won't even sleep in the bed. I, I, I'll, I'll just have a little space in the refrigerator. I take along my own soap. I take along my own towels. I, I won't, I just want to make it like I was never there. You know why? Because I feel like I owe them so much for giving me the privilege. And I feel like I owe you so much for giving me the privilege of, of having that time. I owe God so much for being able to have the honor of even looking at what He has for us in the future. There's this sense... You know, I heard a story the other day. I like this story. Somebody told me the difference between the attitudes of cats and dogs. <laughs> they said... You know, a dog will look at you, and they'll think this. Man, you give me a great meal every day. You feed me every day great food, and you give me a great place to live, and you love me, and you respect me. You must be a god. A cat does this. Well, you give me good food every day. You give me a great house to live in. You treat me with love and respect. I must be a god. <laughs> now, I'm not sure that's true with cats and dogs, but I know it's true with people. There's an attitude difference. There's an attitude difference. And we've got to realize going into this thing, we're the ones that owe. Do you understand that every time you're not forgiving somebody, it's because you think they owe you? And they're the ones that haven't paid up? No, Jesus would say. No, you, you got that different. You've been given all you need. You're the ones that owe. You're the ones that owe. And so, therefore... Forgive us our debts. And again, that is in the aorist tense. It's a very simple action. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you're committing now, every sin you will ever commit has been once for all paid for on the cross. But watch this. There's also a present tense. As we forgive those who have sinned against us as we forgive our debtors. Let me tell you something very special about God's timing. God's timing, God's blessings are only released in your life in a current sense, 
in a functional sense as we have a current relationship with Him. As we free ourselves in order to receive those blessings. For one thing, God's not going to deal with our sin. He's not going to mess with our sin. When we come to Him in an unrepentant manner, it's like going... Did you ever have a grand, grandmother that really was a great cookie baker? I had, a, I had a grandmother who was great at baking cookies. Man, I'd smell those cookies. Oh, man. I'd run in that house from whatever I was doing, and whatever I was doing was dirty. I mean, dirt dirty. And so I'd run in that house. I'd say, Grandma, give me a cookie. That smells great. And I'd stick out that hand. Of course, that hand just grimy, lousy, grimy hand. She'd go, oh, I'm not putting my cookies in those hands, boy. She'd say, you go wash those hands before you get my cookies. And I'd run in. I'd, I'd be spick and span. Come back. Get my cookie. We're going to God, and we're saying, oh, God, give me the blessings of life. And he's looking at our hearts. What's he going to say to us? I'm putting my blessing in that filthy heart. You've got, you got hate filled up with that. You've got, you've got envy in that heart. You've got bitterness stored up in that heart. And I put my blessing in the heart. You clean up that heart. And so we've got to go. We've got to say, forgive us. We've got to clean it up. But watch this. We also have to understand that part of that cleaning is forgiving others. And I want to tell you two things about that. First of all, it is absolutely mandatory. Jesus says again and again in the New Testament, we are only forgiven as we forgive others. That is in a present indicative, and it means it's released as we do it. At that time, that forgiveness becomes truly alive and truly experiential in our hearts. You know, there's a story about Leonardo da Vinci when he was painting The Last Supper. And I've heard it from several sources. kind of makes me wonder if it's not true. And what happened was that at the time he was painting The Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci had a terrible fight with a fellow in that town. And he, he, he grew to hate. He was so angry with this guy. And he went back to the Last Supper and he painted this fellow's face as the face of Judas. So that even the people who did not know this person hundreds of years in advance would hate this man's face because it was the face of Judas. Sometime later, he turned to paint the face of Christ. He tried to think of what it would be, and he, it wouldn't come to him. And, and hours and days and weeks passed, and he could not picture the face of Christ, let alone paint the face of Christ. Finally, he knew what the problem was. And he went back and he painted over that man's face that he had painted into the face of Judas until finally he could picture Christ. Some of you wonder why you're not closer to God. I'll tell you why. It's because you're still trying to get even in your heart. You're still withholding forgiveness because you think there's some power in it. There's no power in that. There's only captivity in that. There's only emptiness in that. And it's very important 
that you say, I'm going to forgive them. I've been forgiven. It's an act of the will. It's not an act of the heart. It's an act of the will. And once you declare with your will that you have forgiven somebody, you have forgiven them. Now watch. One more thing I want to tell you, and then I'll quit. Some of you think, well, it doesn't work with me. I've tried to forgive them. And those feelings just keep coming back and back and back. And therefore, I'm not doing something right, or all this forgiveness stuff really doesn't work. Now, let me show you how it works. In the, again, the Aorist tense, your forgiveness has become effective at the moment you've announced it and you've meant it. Just like your salvation in Christ became effective the moment you said, Jesus, I can't pay for my own sins. I understand you died for my sins on the cross. Therefore, I accept your gift of grace by faith. Come into my heart. Make of my life whatever. The moment you do that, your salvation becomes effective. But watch this. The moment you declare you forgive somebody and you mean it, it becomes effective. But that doesn't necessarily mean the matter's finished. Because God is with forgiveness like God is with healing. There are some of you who have been healed instantly, miraculously, boom, never had to think of it again. Absolutely instantaneous physical healing. There are others of you who God has healed incrementally. You have been healed through medicine. You have been healed through your natural body processes. You've been healed uh, 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 incrementally. You've been healed just as well, but, but it took you a longer time to get there. I want you to know forgiveness is the same way. Sometime, every once in a while, God will give you in your heart what is an absolute instantaneous sense of forgiveness. You'd never think of it again. It's just finished business. But there are many more of you who like that physical provision, God will meet out that emotional provision as you walk along. And as those thoughts recur to you, and, you, and that anger builds back up, let me tell you what it's like. It's like buying a house. When you bought a house, when you signed on the, on the dotted line, that house was yours. Legally, that house was yours. You said, this is my house. You went and lived in that house. You could do anything with that house you wanted to do because legally it was your house. But there were very few of you who paid cash for your house. Now, what you did was made follow-up payments. Now, all the time you were living in it and all the time you were trying to improve it, it was your house. But it didn't wholly become your house until you made enough payments to pay it off. I want you to recognize that many times forgiveness is the same way. When you say, I forgive them, it's your forgiveness. It's been assigned to you. Thank you. Record's clear. But emotionally, when those memories come back to you, you're going to, have, you're going to make some installment payments. And you're going to say, nope, not going down that road again. I've forgiven you because Christ forgave me. And you're going to make installment payments. Now, the good news is that... Like house payments, the principal becomes less and less every time. You stick with this, and someday you won't deal with this anymore. It'll be fully paid off. But again, this is a reminder of Christ's daily provision. Pray with me now. God, thank you for 
giving us the great privilege of daily dependence. No matter whether we're talking about financial or, or emotional or spiritual needs, God, thank you that we can come to you and recognize that even as you have already provided for us, you are giving us the vehicle to build up our relationship with you by repeating and confessing every day our current need of what you have for us. And so, Lord, we thank you because we know that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that's what we want to do. We want to declare your strength and your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.